Well, it's good that you applause first because it might not be well afterwards. So anyway, so good morning and glad to, glad to see you all here this morning. And uh, regardless of what we think and what about the divisions and stuff, you know, we still live in the best country in the world. There's no question. Um, I know a lot of us have been different places and um, certainly... Certainly, we live in a blessed place. We have more than enough food to eat and good, good water and shelter from the elements. And uh, yes, it's just great. So, um, before I talk about Honduras, I have a scripture I want to read here and I want to talk about it just a little bit. So, uh, if you have your Bibles, it's uh, Matthew 9 36. Um, it's just one part, the first, first part of the verse there. So, I'll give you a second to get get to that. And uh, while you're looking, thanks so much for the prayers. While I'm, uh, I was on my trip, I really had a good time and I had no snags. So uh, I just thank you for that. So Matthew 9, 36. But when he, and we're talking about Jesus, saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. So I got to thinking about that and I thought, you know, our church, the Church of the Nazarene, was partly founded on compassion. Um, we are a compassionate church. So just let me read uh, a quote from Phineas Brzee, which is one of the founders of our church. It's, um, let the church of the Nazarene be true to its commission, not great and elegant buildings, but to feed the hungry and clothe the naked and wipe away the tears of sorrowing and gather jewels for his diadem. diadem. So Phineas was looking at um, looking at uh, the gospel as not only being saved but as, as helping people uh, just make it through this life. So uh, and um, I thought a little deeper about that too and I thought well you know I really wanted the beginning of it. If you, if you, get, your, if you get your Bible and you look at Acts uh, chapter 4 Chapter 4 and chapter 6, if you get time to, to read them or just look at them, they do talk about the early church and, um, and uh, the compassion that they were trying to strive for as they were, um, as they were uh, moving forward at, you know, just building the church. And people come say, but right away they were working into, working into um, compassionate ways to help people, so... Three points I want to make about this verse, so getting past the, the, the history or background. And that's, uh, there will always be the multitudes. And Jesus said it, he said, you always have the poor with you. And, um, you know, I get to thinking about that. I think, well, here in the United States, well, is there poor? I, mean, I know where there's poor. We, we don't see much around us. But, you know, it could also mean poor spiritually. And so, you know, we, we always got to be out in the lookout. No matter where you, what circle you travel in, uh, there's always a chance that there's somebody either poor physically, poor financially, or poor spiritually amongst you. And we all need to show compassion on that. So. Uh, which ties in with my second point. There will always be somebody worse off than you. No matter your station in life, no matter where you're at, if you're poor, if you're rich, wherever in between... You're always going to have somebody that's worse off with you. And um, it, just, it just compels us to, as, as a church, as a person, you know, we really need to move on, on stuff we see around us. So, uh, 
The last point that I see here is being moved implies action. It said Jesus was moved when he saw the, the, the crowd. So Jesus went about healing the sick physically and spiritually. And um, I don't know how much physical healing we have in our power. I'm sure that we have some uh, spiritually. It's, it's all God doing it. But uh, we, we just need to really look out and see uh, just what what's going on around us. So, so that brings up the question: What about us? What are we going to do? Are we going to come to church on Sunday, throw a couple bucks in the plate, and say it's good enough? Is that what we're going to do, or are we going to roll up our sleeves and look for opportunities around us to show a little compassion? And obviously, it's the second thing: we need to put what we know and gained from Christ into motion, just like he did. We need to be looking around us, seeing what's going on, being aware of of what the opportunities are. And um, just as there will always be the multitudes, there will always be opportunities. It's just a simple, it's just a simple equation. So um, I would just challenge you to Open your eyes, slow down a little bit, look around, uh, just be aware of what's going on around you because there's people that need help no matter where you are in your life. Uh, whether it's walking across the street with a cup, with a teaspoon of sugar, or preaching in the biggest stadium in the world, there's a place for everybody to do something. So, Speaking of opportunities, I had an opportunity to go to Honduras. So I want to talk about that, but I have one more verse uh, before I, I, I get into that. And that's Galatians 6.10. And actually the pastor preached uh, three or four weeks ago on the first part of the Galatians. And I read down and read this verse and I thought, wow, this fits perfect. Galatians 6.10 says, as we therefore have opportunity, let us do good unto all men especially under them who are the household of faith. So uh, Paul, Paul's writing and he's saying, you know, hey, do good to all men and especially to your brothers. So um, I, that just kind of fit right in with where we're going today. So, so anyway, um, I had an opportunity to go to Honduras and I want to just be, I, I have 10 pictures to show. That's it. Actually, nine pictures, one video. But before I say that, before we see, look at some Uh, pictures. I just want to say that um, this is the first time that I've gone to Honduras by myself. Well, I've gone by myself, but I had uh, Bob Shea there to meet me. Uh, He's the coordinator, or was the coordinator. He's kind of retired now, but um, what happened was he invited me to go along, and then he he called like a week later. I bought an airplane ticket, and he said, well, we can't go. Our flight's canceled, and we're going to just change it. I said, well, I bought the cheapest ticket, Mr. Cheapo. You know, I can't change my flight. I'm going. So anyway, so I, I actually had to dig in and I had to do all the reservations and sort everything out and get money changed before I went and all this and that. Well, fortunately, we have a pastor and I flew into a different airport than what I normally did. So, you know, everything was totally foreign. So, but fortunately, we have a pastor in that area. His name is Ephraim. And some of you have met him. And uh, he lives like a half hour away from the airport. So he said, I, get, I texted him. I had his text. And 
When you text out of the country, it's on WhatsApp. Does everybody know what WhatsApp is, I guess? You, you know, you text quite a bit out of the country. So I texted him and said, will you come to the airport and get me? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I said, well, I want to go down to Dan Lee and this and that. And he said, well, he said, I'll go with you if you want. I said, well, that'd be great. My wife liked, liked that idea, you know, instead of me just going by myself. So, so anyway, so that's kind of the groundwork for the trip. So anyway, that was the first time I actually went by myself. So I kind of set the schedule for what we were going to do for the most part. But there were some changes in that too. So but anyway, so you can show my first photo. Okay, suitcases, how boring. But uh, listen to what I got in the suitcases to take to people. And I give my wife credit. She's a good packer. So uh, here, here goes. This is, this is the list. 125 dresses, 80 shorts, 50 backpacks, two glucose meters, strips, and lancets, seven Christian books, two towels, two pairs of jeans, 11 sets of small pajamas, 400 face bracelets, 40 knit hats, two pints of syrup, and four bottles of perfume. So all in two suitcases. So that was pretty good. Now, I said all that to say one thing. The Christian books, they're just regular study books like you would, you know, you would read like a study of Romans or maybe, you know, more, more life in Christ or something like that. Well, while I was looking around on the Internet, it says it's illegal to take Christian material religious material into Honduras. I thought, wow, I've been doing that for a long time, never got caught, you know what I mean? So anyway, but I thought, well, what do I do? So I split them up all over the suitcases, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, make it a little smaller. And of course, the, the glucose meters and stuff had two cartons of strips that big and the brand new meters and stuff. So I put one in each suitcase. I thought, well, hopefully they won't see that, you know. It's, they grumble sometimes when they see too much. So anyway, but I had all that stuff in there and I just you know, you're hoping you get through, through customs because, you know, I'm, I'm not that fluent in Spanish yet. And, you know, and they throw a million questions at you and everything. So anyway, uh, my boy Lee took me to Baltimore, flew to Miami. And um, I forget what even the flights were. I was supposed to fly from Miami to San Pedro Sula in Honduras, I, th- I think at 630. And I was going to land there at 630 because it's two hours times different. It's Close enough. So anyway, but uh, the flight's delayed. Well, it's delayed, it's delayed, it's delayed. It ended up I didn't leave Miami till 8.30 or later. I thought, wow, you know, this is, you know, you just didn't like that, you know, anyway. So then I get to Honduras, of course, I'm two, two and a half hours late. Well, they only had two people checking your passports and stuff for a whole plane load of people. So it was like way over an hour for that. So, but... Um, all that meant that it's, it was a Sunday, so it's getting to be 10 o'clock Sunday night, and uh, the people that work there, they're getting tired, tired of working, you know what I mean? So after I got through, through the customs part of it, you get your suitcase, well, usually they like to x-ray them and check them and this and that and everything else, and uh, there was hardly anybody around, so I threw them through the x-ray machine and grabbed them out the door I went, and nobody said nothing, so... Um, there's a reason sometimes for a delay. You may grumble, but there's a reason for a delay. So um, that's the backstory of just packed suitcases. So um, next picture, please. Okay, this is the medical center. Um, just kind of a little clip. And that's Ephraim in the middle. And it's the nurse 
that works there. Um, this medical center, I'm sure most of you know, it's, it's way up in the mountains. We, we helped build it in 2009. And the deal is um, the government will supply a nurse, but not so much medicine. So, and, and you know we hand out the, the little prescription bottles and ask for quarters. Well, this is where the money goes to this place here. They have 2,000 people um, that walk to that medical center. So um, we ended up taking medicine. Um, $1,200 worth of medicine we took. Uh, six of it come from our church, six from, 600 from Bob Shea's church. And the beauty of it all is now is this lady here can email a lady in Danley and she can email Bob so that they get the medicine that they need, not what we think they need. So that, that works out well. It's, uh, um, it's just so much more efficient that way. And we've been trying to get medicine down twice a year got kind of messed up with the COVID deal, but uh, this was the first we had medicine down there since April of last year. I was actually in Honduras April of 21, we took medicine up, so I uh, actually went in and looked at the shelves, and they were pretty bare, so it, it was really good to get the medicine up there, so anyway. Okay, give me the next picture here once. Okay, these two little kids here, this is Daniel and Nazareth, and uh, actually, the, the books, and I know you've seen the book on top of the suitcases. I don't know. Could anybody see what it was? Dr. Seuss. Dr. Seuss, Green Eggs and Ham in Spanish. Neatest thing you ever saw. So anyway, um, Carol Eitzel, she had these two books. And she said, I got these two Spanish books, you know, and kids' books. I said, okay. And I thought, oh, that'd be just great. Um, their dad, is, his name is Victor. He's a pastor of a church. It's right at a dump. You folks wouldn't believe it. You walk out the door across the dirt road, dump starts straight up like that, just like you see up at Williamsport. It's burning. It's on fire. It stinks. It's terrible. They're sick all the time. They have a child development center there with 200 kids plus. They're looking to get more. I think till this year they'll have 300 kids there. They teach them give them a meal and stuff like that. It's through Compassion, uh, Compassion International helped build that. So anyway, but anyway, back to the book. So I thought, well, I'll give these books to Daniel and Nazareth. Well, Daniel, he's only five. So um, I read his book to him. And then we were just kind of messing around. I was talking to their dad and stuff. And I said to Nazareth, I said, where's your book? Get your book. I said, come in here. I said, I want you to read your book to me. So anyway, so... We got down, we sat, and now you can play the video of it. I have just a little, I had two minutes of it, but I shortened it up. So it's a video of her reading <laughs> Green Eggs and Ham in Spanish. No me gusta nada, Juan Ramón. Me gustaría con un, en un casero. ¿Te gustaría con tu ratón? ¿A dónde es el ratón? No me gustaría en un casero. No me... Anyway, that was probably one of the neatest things that I ever did. And uh, who, who's the main character in, in Green Eggs and Ham? Sam I am. It's Juan Ramon. 
No me gusta Juan Ramón. <laughs> so <laughs> so it, it, it was really, really, really cool. You know, I mean, out of a lot of things you do, just something simple like that had to be pretty neat. So, okay, let's see the next photo here. Okay, how would you like to be standing in the uh, front door of your church and looking out and seeing that for a view? <laughs> it's beautiful. Anyway, this is uh, a church that we built in 2016. It's called Santa Rita Abajo. It's on the top of the mountains. And uh, actually, Dave Showalter and Rich Martin and I helped build it. And we, had, we actually had to camp there. It's pretty far away from everything. But these people here are really kind of close to me. And when we went to leave after we built the church, oh, by the way, this is their, their pastor, and his name is Betulio. Anyway, when we went to leave, they gave me a letter. And it was in Spanish, you know, and I kind of looked it over. And I don't know if I could quite remember reading, uh, translating all of it, but uh, I did. And what it said was, you know, we'd really like you to come and build a medical center or, or here. Now, this geographically from the, the medical center I just showed you a picture of is like six miles away. But it's like, you know, just totally different area too far to walk or anything, and they're, they're just as far out of town. But anyway, they'd like to have a medical center. So I got the bright idea, just send the next picture up. So anytime I go to Honduras, you know, I'm going to try and get up to this, this village here. I just buy $100 worth of uh, over-the-counter medicine and uh, take it up there for them. That way, you know, the pastor can hand it out to the families of the church or whatever. So I've probably been doing that about four years or so, and it's it's just kind of a neat, neat kind of ministry. Um, the knit hats that I mentioned in uh, in the suitcases, uh, a fellow I know from Idaho, his wife had knit all them, and and I took them up there and some other stuff too for uh, for the the families up there. So next picture, please. And this is his family here. This is his. Batuio and his wife on the far left is uh, Siapa and his daughter's Yerlene. So um, I've known these folks since, well, Yerlene just turned 21. I knew her when she was 12 years old. So um, I'll tell on myself, you heard me say about the perfume for the, in the suitcase. <laughs> she always wants me to bring a gift for her, so... <laughs> So I, we found some perfume and took for her. So anyway, so. Okay, next photo. Uh, this is kind of a far, oh, you can see that pretty good there. It looks better. Uh, this is San Marcos Church. The pastor there's name is Avelino. And um, he actually, uh, he'd gone along up in the mountains. He was actually from up in the mountains. His family lives up there and stuff. But he's kind of becoming a coordinator in the area as far as, projects and building and stuff so uh it was like a tuesday when we went up in the mountains and he asked me he said will you come preach at my church tonight and i said well yeah okay you know what i mean and what i'd done um let's go into the next picture here before i i go okay this this is uh preaching at la carbonara now that's where this pastor victor lives that's got the dump and all that right out the front door. He's the first one to ever ask me to preach. So I preached there. I, this was my third year there that I preached there. But anyway, so I've taken 
I kind of like write a sermon out and then I translate it into Spanish, you know. And I had them on pieces of paper like this and stuff. Well, this spring I got out and put them in a three-ring binder so that, you know, I would have them and I'd know where I preached and whatever. So, so anyway, so that was great because backing up to the picture before, I thought, well, I'll use the one sermon at San Marcos with Pastor Abelino's church. So I did that. So anyway, and then my newest sermon I made, I would use for Victor's church here where I promised. So anyway, and um, I kind of short-winded. It's really hard to write out, and I'm not a very good writer, so it makes it harder, but to write out a, a whole sermon in Spanish. I, uh, the last one I did was like seven and a half pages, and uh, it lasted like 12 minutes, you know what I mean? So, and now my Spanish is getting better, so it's getting shorter, you know, because I'm not struggling with the words and stuff. But anyway... Saying all that, to, it's like, okay, you know, I'm really not that fluent in Spanish. You know, the people after the service are talking, and you know what I mean, and not quite understanding everything. I mean, I understand a lot if I can pin somebody down and talk to them, but just the general, it's a little tough. So the first time I preached in, in there at Pastor Victor's church, and it's like, okay, you come away, it's like, well, was that any good or not? You know what I mean? How did that go? You know, because you don't, you can't really tell, you know. So, so, but I can text in Spanish, so that's good. So I texted Victor the next day. I said, did your folks understand me? I said, well, you know, was that good? You know, was, was it okay? Oh, yeah. He goes, he said, two people recommitted their lives to the Lord, you know. So it's like, you know, I would have walked away without asking, not knowing that. So that was, that was kind of neat. So, and, and I bring that up to say, you know, your words are important. No matter where you say them, maybe, maybe you don't think it sunk into somebody else, but there's a lot of times that it really does. And, um, and I, I could go on with more stories about that. But uh, anyway, um, got one more photo, probably the most important one. Put that one up. The guy second from the right, standing right on that dirt road, got saved. Uh, while we were while we were there, and it, it's kind of a neat story. Um, I'll start the story, then I got to back up and tell the backstory because there's always a backstory to make it a neat story. So, this is the site of a church where there's going to be a church called Conchagua. And let's see, the guy in the light light blue shirt, he's going to be the pastor there. So, we were there looking at this piece of property that they bought to build this church. Now, obviously, they're having church on a porch, something or somewhere. So anyway, let me back up now. So the one hotel where I, we stay at in Honduras, it's a really nice hotel in this town. And I became pretty good friends with the owner, which is kind of neat. You know, you don't think about it in that terms, but... Um, you know, he's a really neat guy. He's, he's about my age. Well, he just turned 60, so he's a little younger. But anyway, he likes cars and motorcycles. You know what I mean? So, hey, you know, he's my kind of guy, you know. So anyway, he's got, he took me one time to his farm to show me all his old junk cars, you know, and stuff. And then, but he said at the house, I got like really nice motorcycles in a car. I said, well, I want to see him. You know what I mean? So, okay. So anyway, so when I was down this time, you know, he's talking there, you know, at the hotel, I was sitting and talked to him for about an hour. We're looking at cars and stuff and on his phone and everything. And I, I said, well, I really want to come and see your stuff, you know. And he said, well, yeah, he said, 
He doesn't really work there. His wife works. He has two hotels. His wife works at that one. So he said, just tell my wife to call me. I'll come and get you, and we'll go look. I said, great. You know, so that's what I was going to do the day this guy got saved. So anyway, so I'm, you know, thinking, okay, Thursday morning, I'm going to go, I'm going to go talk to Geraldo and go look at his motorcycles and cars. Well, that night before, Ephraim said, hey, he said, I got a plan to run by if you want, if you want to. And uh, I said, no, what is it? He said, well, he said, we'll go down the mountains. He said, we'll look at another piece of property where they want to build a church and stuff like that. And he, I knew about where it was. Uh, actually, like Pastor, remember we went to Palo Grande. It was out in there. And a couple of the others were there, too. It was out in that area there. So, yeah, let's go. You know what I mean? That sounds good. Going to do a couple other things. His sister lived down there and stuff, too. So, wanted to stop there. So, okay, that's great, you know. So, I didn't call her out. Or the next morning, we get up. We go down in the mountains. We go out in there. And we picked up the guy in the light blue shirt. The guy on the far left, he was a pastor from El Pariso, which is closer to where we were. And the fellow on the far right, he's Abelino. So, um, so we picked we pick these guys up and we go out there and we're standing on the road. Well, we'd, I'd walked all over the property looking at it and took some pictures and stuff. And we're all standing on the road there. And these three on the right, they're over here talking and we're over here talking. Well, pretty soon they come over and Abelina said, just want to pray for this guy. You know, I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we all prayed for him. Then and Afarin asked him, he said, would you want to really receive Christ in your, in your life? You know, and yeah, you know, so we all prayed for him to be saved, you know, and it's like right here on the road, right in front of where the church is going to be. And I, I said, well, there's your first church member, you know what I mean, you know. But I said all that, and it's like I said, I had to say the backstory to say, you know, you never know sometimes, you know, what's going to happen. Now, I'm not going to go out and limit and say that this guy wouldn't have been saved. You know what I mean? If I went and seen them cars, I think that's crazy to say that. But I do know that because the opportunity came up for us to go out there and it looked more important in my mind to go look at this church ground, you know, and stuff like that, rather than look at some cars, this guy got saved. So words, actions, what you see and think, it's always important. So um, I just... That's the last picture I got. I mean, I could sit and fill you in for hours here and bore you to death about what all the stuff I've seen, but I just want to impress on you that what you see, what you do, and what you say really has a big bearing on people around you, and that also big thing is looking for opportunities. They're out there. We just need to pay attention and act on them when we see them because doesn't matter where you're at in life, like I said, there's always an opportunity to help somebody. So um, thank you so much. Uh, I will be going back to Honduras again sometime. I'm not sure when, but I know I'm going to go again. <laughs> so anyway, so thank you for your prayers and your attention, and uh, God bless you. Thank you, Snook. Boy, it's been exciting to see in Snook's life how excited he has been about Honduras. And, you know, I remember him going to Puerto Rico and him breaking in, trying to get us into a location that was locked and had his bandana on, and he became uh, Snooko the Crooko. 
And boy, uh, and then I think the next year went to Honduras for the first time, if I remember that right. And uh, God put something in, in uh, Snook's heart about Honduras. And uh, how many times have you been there now? How many? Whatever he said, that's it. Okay, I couldn't hear it. Anyway, hey, you know, different people get a heart for different places and things. And some people have a heart for Philadelphia and, and Front Step Ministries. Some people have a heart for Suriname, and some of you have been involved there. Uh, and uh, God, it just remind me of Ruby Mitch, how she had a heart for the West End and the kids there. And God does want us all to have a heart for whatever He gives us the opportunity to serve, wherever that is. As Snook said, we all have a circle of influence. We all have opportunity. May God show us what that is and to be involved in, in, in loving people. And uh, the Scripture that he read about compassion, Jesus, help us all to have compassion. Help us to have the heart of Christ in all that we do. Thanks so much for sharing today, Snook. Work and witness has been an important part of our church for a long time. Um, the last two years have been difficult, of course. The, the rules of uh, regulations uh, have kind of shut that down in a lot of ways, but yet the churches continue to work in Suriname and Honduras uh, through the body of Christ and God's people. But some of those regulations have now been removed so that uh, there is opportunity to travel again and certainly many opportunities in our country, Philadelphia, like I said, and other places. So uh, we're probably going to hear about some more opportunities for missions uh, in the days ahead. Certainly where we're at, let's see the circle of people around us and, and uh, do our best with them. We just stand together and we'll have a prayer and be dismissed. If you didn't but wanted to bring an offering for kids camp, there is a plate in the back. You can put that in there. We were going to receive it at the end, but I thought in the middle that was fine too with our tithes and offerings. Thank you for your giving. Thank you for your support. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, the compassion of Jesus and what we see in him. <clears throat> as he looked out and he saw people and he thought of them as sheep uh, without a shepherd, help us to have compassion for people that we rub shoulders with and we will see some locally and some far away. We thank you for Snook and his ministry, especially to Honduras and his heart for Honduras and how that draws others here to uh, be praying and thinking and supporting and being a part of ministry to these precious people in this precious country. God, help us as a church to be the church you want us to be, both uh, local and far away, I pray. Thank you for the opportunity to be together this morning. Pray for our kids and their adults as they go to kids camp this week, that it would be a great week and uh, kids have put their roots down and uh, people will be drawn to you, I pray. Thank you again for this day and this week and this weekend. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Thanks for being here today. God bless.